0: Our first reading today comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 1 through 12. Listen for a word from God. Shout out, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet, announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the throngs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. The word of the Lord. Our gospel reading today comes from Matthew, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 and 16 through 21. Listen again for a word from God. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let us pray. Almighty God of Adam and Eve, of dust, of earth, and of life, send your Holy Spirit to move among us and illuminate your word for us this day. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, friends, here we are, another Ash Wednesday, uh, I know, I, I read on Wikipedia, so you know it's true. We're right around kind of the median time for when Ash Wednesday can fall in any given year. But it feels to me like today has kind of crept up on me, kind of come really fast. I feel like it was just yesterday that we were celebrating Christmas and Epiphany. And I know that others have said the same thing. And Now, maybe for me, it's just because I'm preaching today and that rushing sound of an approaching deadline made it feel faster than normal. But whatever the reason is, I'm glad we're here on Ash Wednesday, and I'll tell you why. You see, I've always had a special connection to this day, and that's because Ash Wednesday is, in fact, the very first religious memory that I have. So you see, when I was in kindergarten, I went to Catholic school. The, the public schools where I grew up, or where we lived when I was in kindergarten, rather, were, were not that great, and as luck would have it, there was a Catholic school half a block from our house. You just walk out the back door, down the alley, and you're in the playground of the school. And so that's where my parents sent me f- for kindergarten. And since this was a Catholic school, and even though we were far from Catholic, You know, the teachers dragged us students to Mass every week, and it just so happened that the day that we kindergartners went to Mass was Wednesdays. And so it was that 33 years ago, I found myself in a Roman Catholic church for my very first Ash Wednesday. Now, I will admit, I don't remember a whole lot about that day or really about going to mass in general when I was in kindergarten. I remember two things. The first is kind of a general memory. I remember the kneelers, you know, those things they have in the pews that they fold down from the pew in front of you and like they're padded and you can kneel on them and it doesn't hurt. And for six year old me, that was like the coolest thing ever, or at least the coolest thing about going to church. Now, the second thing I remember is very particular to Ash Wednesday. I remember being afraid. So you see, growing up not only non-Catholic, but entirely non-religious, I had no clue what was going on. All I knew was I saw Older kids and some members of the community going up and there was this dude in these funny looking clothes and he was smearing this weird stuff on their foreheads and it was kind of scary to me. And so when it came time for my class to go up. I did what any self-respecting, scared six-year-old would do in that situation. I folded down that kneeler in front of me, my favorite thing in all the church. I knelt down on it, and I crouched behind that pew in front of me, so small, so that no one would see that I was not going up the way I was supposed to. But the rest of my class went up, and they let that dude in the funny clothes smear that weird stuff on their foreheads. And they came back, and admittedly, they were did not seem to be any worse for wear, but that didn't stop one question in my mind when it was all over. What are they doing? Now, I probably went home that afternoon because I was in a.m. kindergarten back when we actually split it up a.m. p.m. And, you know, I probably asked her, and my mom, being the good atheist that she is, probably said, oh, well, you know, that's just a weird thing the Catholics do. It's okay, you were scared, don't worry about it. And that was that. And I didn't think about it for quite some time. But as I grew older and I began to learn more about Christianity and about Ash Wednesday and how the ashes remind us that we are dust and to dust we will return, how it serves as a memento mori, it, it started to make sense. So by the time I was in the process of becoming a Christian, I had I had overcome my fear of this and to the point that on On Ash Wednesday that year, I took my lunch break and I went down to the local Catholic church and let that dude in the funny clothes smear that weird stuff on my forehead. Yes, I had arrived. And then by the time we moved out here and started coming to stone, I really had this whole Ash Wednesday thing figured out. And I actually look forward to it. And so when Sammy asked me to preach today, I, of course, jumped at the chance And like the good Presby nerd that I am, I jumped right into the scripture text that the lectionary prescribes for today, and I read Jesus' words from Matthew, and church, I gotta tell you, my heart started to sink. Beware of practicing your piety in front of others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you like the hypocrites do so that they'll be praised by other people. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who want to be seen by others. And this next one I was really bad at last year. Whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites. They have received their reward. Let me tell you, the reward, not that great when you're looking dismal. But so I read these passages, and I thought about us today, getting ready to receive these ashes on our foreheads in what is probably the most public display of piety we have. And then we're going to go out into the world with these ashes still on our foreheads. And honestly, church, I started asking myself the same question I asked all those years ago. What are we doing And so as I sat with the text, and I prayed about it, and I thought about it, and started writing this sermon, I I came up with this litany of confession kind of thing in my head. Because you see, everything I'm about to say, everything I have said, every last little thing is something I'm guilty of. Whether I'm guilty of it three weeks ago or three years ago, I'm guilty. Because you see, my friends, I am, in fact, a hypocrite. Friends, we come here to church Sunday after Sunday, and we hear these amazing stories out of our scripture. Radical stories of love, grace, repentance, and redemption. But then we go home to our lives after church, and we remain largely unchanged. We fail to practice the love and the grace with any sort of regularity. We look at this world that remains a mess and is getting messier day by day, and even though we know we need to bring that love and grace and repentance from this building forth into the world, we shrug our shoulders because we know deep down that real change in the world threatens our comfortable way of life. What are we doing? We come here and we lament the poverty in our community, the poverty just miles away from us. And maybe we do donate some food or some clothes. But instead of advocating for real change, for real positions, or voting for parties and politicians who will make the real changes that need to be made, the deep structural changes within the very depths of our society that would finally put people over profits instead of enriching the few at the expense of all the rest of us, especially those who are already poor, we continue to vote for more of the same. And it doesn't matter whether that same comes wearing the word liberal or conservative, because really, we like having our two or three or four coats and our rich homes with all those treasures built up inside them. More stuff than we could ever need. And but, you know, I'm not Jeff Bezos and you all aren't Bill Gates with all their billions of dollars. So are we really all that bad? What are we doing? We come here and we talk about how we're affirming of folks who are LGBTQIA+. We talk about how we fly that rainbow flag out there with pride. But when someone asks us to use they, them, theirs as their personal pronoun, or to spell folks with an X at the end instead of a KS, we go off on a rant about how they, them, theirs isn't proper grammar for a singular pronoun and folks is already gender neutral anyway. And can't you just come up with some term, a whole new word that doesn't make me feel uncomfortable? As if the grammar or spelling of the English language, both of which are and always have been flexible, or my comfort are more important than the very image of God standing right there in front of me, just asking to be treated with respect. What are we doing? We come here and we talk about how our immigration policies at the border are terrible and how the things that happened to Alma and her family and other families like theirs right here in our own city are terrible. But then in the next breath, the very next breath, we say something about immigrating the right way, as if there were a right way for all these families, available inside a system that is soaked in and has been built since day one on racism, a system that is designed to keep certain people out just because of the color of their skin that happens to make them a convenient scapegoat for that generation. What are we doing? We come here on Sunday and we hear a sermon and we say to our pastor and the the line afterwards or to our friends in the social hall. You know, that really made me think as though thinking ever fed the hungry, clothed the naked, gave housing to the homeless, freed the oppressed. What are we doing? Now I grant you sometimes we might feel a little bit of discomfort at something that's said in a sermon when we first hear it. I know I do, And I've looked around the congregation on occasion, and I've seen some of you all shift uncomfortably in your seat too. But when we go home, and I am just as guilty of this as anyone else, when we go home, we can and we often do comfortably ignore the calls for love, grace, repentance, and redemption. What are we doing My friends, we believe in a God that dared to incarnate in a human being in the same bits of dust that make up you and that make up me in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus, he was a man who ate with prostitutes and embezzlers, with the poor and the oppressed, and with the hated foreigner. He broke the religious laws of his time in favor of human beings and challenged the empire of his day to treat people like people. But in return for all this trouble he went to, trying to bring the love and grace back into the world, he was arrested, tortured, and murdered in one of the most painful and humiliating ways possible. But he suffered through all of this because God loves this dust. God loves this dust that makes up you and me in a way that surpasses all of our understanding. But when we're challenged to do just a little bit, a small fraction of what Jesus did, not to die, not to be tortured, but when we're challenged to try to imagine a world where no one goes hungry, where no one is imprisoned in squalor, where parents and children aren't torn apart at a border just because they're trying to make a better lives for themselves, when we're challenged to imagine and build a world where we don't have an empire telling us that black and brown bodies, that women's bodies, that queer bodies, that trans bodies are disposable like yesterday's trash, when the creator of all that is in this amazing universe, everything that we can see and everything that we can't see pleads with us time and time again to just be a little bit better, what do we do? We say, no, thank you. I'm comfortable right here. And then nothing changes. What? Are we doing? My friends, we are dust, tiny and seemingly inconsequential, and yet dust that is surprisingly capable of both great destruction and great restoration. And God loves this dust so much that God used it to create each and every one of us, to create you and to create me in that very image of God. And God even put on this dust and became like us to show us a better way so that we would be freed from our fears and perhaps most importantly freed from our comfort. Freed so that we might be, in the words of Dr. King, creatively maladjusted to the injustices of this empire of rampant capitalist destruction of human lives and of the very planet we call our home freed so that we would have the strength to stand up and say there is a better way and I will fight for it even if, no, especially if it makes me uncomfortable. And so we come back to my question, what are we doing? Because in spite of everything I just said, comparing myself to those hypocrites that Jesus warns us about time and time again, I really do believe there is value In us being here because you see that hypocrisy that Jesus warns us about is only hypocrisy if we remain unchanged so you see my friends we are here to be reminded that we are dust and to dust we will return so that we will change we are here to know that we are dust and in the end To dust we will return, and that that dust is loved by God regardless of who we are, and that God calls this dust to do great things. And so whether you wear your ashes all day long or you wipe them off as soon as you get in the car to go home, do not be like the hypocrites who get their ashes just for show or because it's what you do on Ash Wednesday. Instead, let the ashes truly be a reminder of who you are and who God calls us all to be. Let that reminder settle in your heart and change you so that we may be truly called repairers of the breach and restorers of the streets to live in. May it be so this day and every day, in the name of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, we are dust, and to dust we will return. It can be a shaking reminder. But let this reminder shake the dust of your own comfort off you so that you can go into the world and bring forth the love, the grace, the repentance and redemption that we so desperately need. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you as you go. Amen.